The following is a Poppy Chulo Radio original program. The views and opinions expressed in the commentaries and or interviews in the following program are solely those of the individuals and are not views of Poppy Chulo Radio, its parent, affiliate, or subsidiary companies. Welcome to the Gotham City Gazette, a PapaChuloRadio.com original series, Papichula Radio, celebrating a decade of podcasting excellence. Today is Monday, April 19th, 2021, and I'm your host, Jeffrey Aruz. During this podcast, we'll be having an in-depth discussion on the CW's Batwoman. Please welcome my co-hosts, Millie Wood. Hello, Gotham. And Professor X. Hello, Gotham. Let's jump into our discussion of Season 2. Episode 11, which was titled Arrive Alive, and aired April 18th, 2021. Side note, whenever anybody visits my house, I always tell them, Arrive Alive. Here's the official synopsis of the episode. With Batwoman and the Crows, each hot on the trail of the false face society, their efforts collide and tensions escalate. That's funny, because it's a car episode. Uh, Alice seeks out Enigma... And Sophie and Ryan find some common ground. It's very interesting. Let's check in on the ratings for Season 2, Episode 11. Batwoman was viewed by 560k total viewers with a point two in the demo. It drew its best audience in total viewership in eight episodes and also ticked up in the demo. And now it's going on a week hiatus. <laughs> All right. So let's talk about this. We're actually not going to talk about any of the Fast and Furious Gotham drift uh, at the moment. We are going to focus on Alice, who is on her little um, island. She's got an appointment with uh, Dr. Enigma. And uh, we go through a fascinating journey into Alice's psyche throughout her storyline. There are flashing lights. There are knives, there is death, uh, and there are interesting revelations. So um, it, it was quite the moment for Alice with Dr. Enigma. It started off very threatening. Um, we got a, a peek, as I said, into Alice's mind with the 13-year-old Kate. It looked like she got rid of her, but then Ocean arrived. And then, you know, she tried to get rid of Ocean in her brain, but it got very intimate. And then actual Ocean arrived. And then um, Mockingbird Risen, I think it was, or Mockingbird Rises, or something like that. And then, bam, they all remembered everything that Sophia asked the Nigma to get rid of both of their brains. So... Let's talk about this. Uh, we'll talk about Ocean in a moment, because there's what happens at the end, which I do have a question specifically about that. But let's talk about Alice and Enigma. Professor, you love Rachel Scarston. You are a fan of Alice. Alice murdered. Alice uh, you know, had the flashing lights 
you had the blinding lights, like uh, like the weekend. Uh, what did you think of uh, this storyline for Alice? And uh, what did you think of, in particular as well, uh, the, the Doctor and how she reacted to everything? Well, the Doctor, you know, when you're first watching it, you're sort of thinking she's taking the fact that she's got this homicidal killer in front of her quite calmly. But then you realize towards the end that she does have that safe uh, word that she can simply say at any time and essentially incapacitate her. So it kind of explains. Uh, and she was actually, you know, kind of tr- almost trying to be a a good therapist while she was uh, doing that by explaining that, you know, you, you know, you can't do this. You have to deal with this, you know the uh, the underlying trauma not just have me you know uh wipe your memory because theoretically you could just you know wipe her memory and you know kill her yourself um so it was an interesting choice uh obviously you know with uh with alice going you know i i'm a manipulator i never cared yada yada um you know she's the it's you know classic you know who are you trying to convince alice you know Obviously, Alice cares. Obviously, Alice has feelings. They're buried down deep. Uh, but I think having Ocean come back was a way for her to to deal with that and realize that, you know, she does have these emotions. She is. And again, in terms of, you know, it's tough to talk about a redemption arc when she did kill the guy uh, in this exactly. episode too, casually. Um, I sure hate to lose that moral compass. Um, but that said, you know, it, it, it is, you know, uh, her sort of, you know, her self image of herself as this total uncaring, manipulative uh, person obviously is not true. And, you know, the cracks are beginning to show in her facade in a good way, not cracks in the sense that she's going to go nuts and start killing a bunch of people. I think this is the, the first cracks in it that will force her to, to deal with, you know, her reality. And I think that's probably setting it us up for some really great Rachel stuff going forward. She was tremendous in this episode, just, you know, fabulous all the way throughout. Um, but I think that, yeah, we are, I, I don't know whether redemption is on the cards for Alice or, or anything like that, but I do think it's, it's opening, opening up a possibility for some character growth for her that, you know, honestly, a year ago, uh, you know, I wouldn't have thought Alice was capable of this kind of growth. Mm-hmm. Uh, before I ask Millie Wood a question, Professor, can I get your just a quick hot take on uh, Alice as Dr. Rhyme? Oh, gosh. Just so, oh, man. And again, that's exactly <laughs> the sort of thing Alice would do. The, the poor guy comes in for his appointment, and, you know, she just, you know, totally off of nothing, and, you know, spins the story, and then, of course, you know, uh, kills him. Um, you know, unfortunate that, but, uh, and there should have been a lot more spurting blood for the, uh, you know, the knife going in his neck, but hey, you know, uh, it, it's, it's a CW show, but yeah, just, oh gosh, just so much fun watching Rachel, uh, you know, play these things. She is just so good week after week after week. I always say my MVP is, you know, Rachel Scarson, unless there's a really good reason to go otherwise. Yeah. I will say they probably saved the blood budget for later on in the episode. So maybe that's why they couldn't afford the guy to bleed out. Um, Millie, I want to get your take on, um, on, on, as well as on the, um, the Alice, Dr. Rhyme situation, but also want to get your, your take on, on, um, Ocean. And where do you think that goes? So after seeing everything that Alice went through in this episode, now having her get her memories restored by Dr. Rhyme, not only her getting her memories restored, but also Ocean getting his memory restored, then they have this conversation at the end because he wants to know, do you have any regrets for killing me? You know, because she ends up figuring out, you know, she, she thought she had killed him. She found out the truth. The desert rose on the blade. This, that, or the other. He's in town doing stuff. 
uh, loose ends and that sort of thing for Sophia, and um, he ended up running into her, and then he wanted the answer, so she kind of doesn't really give him the answer, although I feel like we know the answer, but she hasn't properly expressed it, and she's trying to sort of Alice her way out of giving the answer, and then she ends up making out with him. Which I will say, we're living in a COVID world, and it's fascinating how, like, we do notice, and, and we on occasion reference the social distancing in these episodes, and how some characters that are in romantic relationships aren't really kissing, but they're implying the kissing and that sort of thing. This was a full-on open-mouth make-out make session. I'm just saying. I mean, they, you know, they must do extra precautions on this set, because that was a full-on. Um, Millie, your take on uh, Alice... Dipping her toes into the ocean again. But you know, the best avoidance tactic is just to make out somebody in an alleyway. <laughs> I think Alice I know, has right? uh, secured that technique down for sure. Um, I think it's interesting. I, I don't know. I think like we've talked about it before. It's like I'm, I'm not the biggest fan of the idea that like she needed ocean to unlock these memories to to tap into her feelings. Like I'm just saying, this is a girl power show. We, <laughs> I'm fine. If she doesn't have a love interest, but I do think that's where it's heading. Where it's she's gonna fight just the idea of feelings in general and ocean obviously is going to be the one that unlocks it. Um, I do think they're going to drag it out to three episodes because it's Alice and drama. Um, but I, I feel like that's where the trajectory is going now. Do I like it? I don't know. I, I don't know how I feel exactly about their chemistry. Uh, I think like I'm 80% sold on it. So I think if we get more of like ocean in his backstory, I might be like a hundred percent sold on it. So I'm still uncertain about him. And I'm also curious, um, Hey, how does he know Angelique and all that? That's some other story. So I feel like he could be a little bit shady on this side as well. Um, but I think it would be nice to see a different side of Alice and, and watch that. I also think before she fully accepts her her feelings just in life, uh, and kind of see at the beginning of this is like I think she's gonna have a full down like a mental breakdown. I feel like the the starting was happening when the the doctor was was poking at her and you could see it and as the more poking more walls went up so I think that it's going to um the dam's going to break first and I think it's going to be I think Rachel's going to be great with it and I think it's going to be fabulous to watch. All right. We're in for a uh, a very interesting ride with uh, Alice and Ocean as well. Ocean does drop a little bit of more intel at the end. Uh, one of the reasons why he is back is because of what Alice did, burning down Sophia's Desert Rose uh, fields and that sort of thing. And uh, he was sent back because he did steal a Desert Rose. And, um, you know, he's tracking it down. He feels that uh, Batwoman has it. Alice sort of puts two and together, okay, that's why she was healed from the kryptonite, and that sort of thing. So, um, he's there for the Desert Rose. Um, Ocean's name is also mentioned in another storyline. We'll talk about that uh, in a second. Uh, before we fully dive into the Fast and Furious storyline for this episode, can I just say... And I don't know if either of you have anything to also add to this, but props to the stunt drivers. This was probably one of the like the most visual, action-packed, suspenseful um, choreography. I don't even know what you call it. Uh, yeah, stunt choreography, I guess is what you would call, would call it. With the cars that we've seen on this series, period. And I thought it was really, really cool. Props to them. They made some really interesting choreography that uh, you don't typically see on these shows. Uh, so props to them for, like, you know, 
bumping up the budget a little bit and uh, really giving us a a sort of fast and furious mini, not maybe not theatrical, but like slightly, almost theatrical experience with uh, the car work. I thought it was cool. Okay, so we've got False Face Society members driving cars really fast, collecting everything, all the ingredients needed to make snake bites. Um, and uh, we have both the Bat Team, minus Mary, who was mentioned, but she was not seen, uh, and uh, the Crows, uh, in particular Crofy, uh, but both sort of on the trail and figuring out that uh, because uh, the because Black Mask now has Angelique, clearly they haven't killed her because she is going to make the snake bite for them. They just need one more uh, ingredient, the fear toxin from the Scarecrow, to make it happen. And so uh, when Batwoman stops one of the drivers, she realizes that it's brum, 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 Crofy, who is undercover, trying to do, you know, trying to get in intel, trying to save Angelique and all this kind of stuff. And so um, so she ru Batwoman ruins it. Um, in in outside of her Batwoman, I should say persona, uh, Ryan. You know when when she's talking to Sophie, she ends up volunteering as the driver. She's like, "Trust me, I can do this." And then we get what was for me the funniest moment in this episode: Ryan Wilder meeting Luke Fox. I don't know if y'all cracked up. I rewound that scene because I found that shit so hilarious. They both, all three of them played it beautifully, but the two of them, Ryan and Luke, were fantastic. Professor, were you cracking up over that scene, or was it just me? It was. Uh, you know, it was It was really nicely done, and it, it, it makes perfect sense that, you know, you know, technically these characters haven't met before, so for, you know, Ryan to get Luke's name wrong was, uh, you know, a, a delightful little touch. Shirley Temple? <laughs> Yes, and and then yeah, the slight needling of yeah, you, I think you are sure, that, and I don't think that's the case. <laughs> yes. Spectacular! They played it perfectly. Loved it, loved it. Um, props to um, Megan Tandy, aka Crofy. She looked good with the braids. Um, I don't know if anybody wants to co-sign, uh, but I I thought she looked really good. Um, okay. Is this the first time Sophie has been referred to as Crofy on the show? It because was. I know that's a term that that has been used, you know, in internet comments and stuff like that. And so for her to be called Crofy and then to show up on Ryan's phone as Crofy, I thought was a delightful little nod to the fans. I did not even know that. So yes, that was definitely a nod to the fans, which they have done on other shows in the past, mentioning ships and stuff that uh, the fans have given characters or, or nicknames. So that was really oh, I like that. Okay, so 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 we've okay. Another line since we're talking about this scene, I love the line where so so Sophie leaves, and then Luke starts giving Ryan, you know the goodies, the gadgets, and, and that sort of thing. And he's like, oh, here's, you know, an AI for the car. And she's like, what AI? He's like, the one that I, that I put in the car when I did the paint job. And she was like, what? Like, I thought my driving was getting better. And he's like, oh, no. It's just killed me. The dialogue in that scene was spectacular. Um, yeah, it was just fantastic. Uh, but I love... Um, 
I love Luke and Ryan's interplay. Uh, I mean, initially it was uh, a bit antagonistic because Luke wasn't wanting to warm up to Ryan, but now that they've warmed up to each other, I mean, there is a lot of shade in what they say to each other, but it's like fun, playful shade, which is uh, fantastic. Okay, so moving right along, uh, Ryan does end up proving herself to uh, the False Face Society, and uh, and she gets she she is going to be one of the getaway drivers, and um, there is a a problem because they aren't they aren't going to be able to well she had planned on stopping the car and she isn't able to do that anymore because there's a drone that's following them because Black Mass thinks of everything. Um, and so she has to put the AI and Luke drives, and so she does end up putting a tracker on one of the canisters. Um, and uh, when, uh, you know, they, they end up delivering and all that kind of stuff, uh, when they uh, the three of them are going to meet up to celebrate, they realize Sophie isn't there because she has gone rogue. One of the reasons she's gone rogue is because we are introduced to a new character in this episode. A character that does have uh, comic book roots. Russell Tavaroff. So, Russell, Russell Tavaroff is a Crow's agent. He's uh, a, a scorched earth type of Crow's agent that was introduced, and uh, because uh, Sophie has not been able to... Well, because she's made a, a few mistakes, uh, Angelique was uh, taken by Black Mask, and she was caught while she was undercover. A snake-bitten Jacob ends up taking her off of uh, the case, and he puts this new guy in in charge of the operation. And because he is a scorched earth type of person, they're worried that Angelique might get in the crossfire, so that's why Sophie ends up going by herself. Millie... Yes, I'm asking you a selfie question, and I'm not doing this to torture you, because we're all sort of on the selfie train. What did you think of Sophie throughout the episode, Millie? Um, what did you think of Sophie, period, up to this point? We'll talk about uh, her and Black Mask momentarily. But up to this point in the episode, what did you think of Crofy? What did you think of the introduction of this Tavaroff dude? And uh, what did you think of... Uh, Snake bitten, uh, yeah. Uh, snake bitten, Jacob. Snake bitten and not twice shy. I, I'm slowly becoming a fan of Crofy. I guess more of the Sophie part, also the crow part of Sophie. But I, I liked her storyline in this, uh, this episode. I think it's it's a lot of the payoff that we've been seeing, and then introdu- introducing um, the other agent. I'm going to mispronounce his name, but Tavron. Or Tavaroff, yes. uh, I think is a perfect kind of introduction because clearly he's kind of like a foil for her. Like he's what she's realizing is wrong with the crows, like the super intense, got to go after regardless, don't really care about anybody else but this target. Um, and he's obviously going to be a, a thorn in this side for the bat team. Um, and I, I do, I'm curious how that, that relationship with as Sophie kind of is in there, um, in the crow still, but I feel like she is slowly starting to pull away and we can see that when she's taken off the assignment. And then we have this guy in there. Is he going to be the next kind of enemy inside the crows? Um, I think that'll be interesting. And, and I hope this kind of leads to, to maybe Sophie saying goodbye to the crows, especially with angry snake riddle bitten Jacob. That was interesting. And I'm wondering if, 
if that's what he is when he's on it or is he having a withdrawal and if this is going to cause him to isolate himself away from everybody like we've he doesn't have many people <laughs> he's already kind of pushed away Mary and then he's pushing away Sophie which I feel like they had kind of a close relationship so it'll be interesting to see um how he is when he's isolated is he going to kind of double down on Agent Tavaron and then become even more kind of crow driven and evil driven in that sense and go down a, in a bad path and maybe drive the crows into more of a to like a even harder security kind of point that it's already being judged hard by the community yeah something that they haven't touched on in a moment is something that you referenced Millie is that because they did have a very close relationship and in season one we we almost got the assumption that he saw Sophie like as a daughter you know sort of like you know the good daughter you know the one that lives up to all the expectations versus uh Kate who you know, was sort of like the disappointment. You know, she wasn't the model um, student because uh, you know, she was kicked out of the academy. You know, she she didn't follow in the crow's footsteps. But then here was Sophie, this model crow. So uh, when uh, he basically demoted her, he didn't demote her, but, you know, he took her off the operation, you could see the pain in her eyes, like the disappointment, the shock, the hurt. Uh, so I, I think her reaction was kind of keeping in tune with that portion of it. And I, and, uh, I find it fascinating that they are isolating Jacob as much as they are. And I think uh, one of the reasons why this storyline is probably going to go on for a little bit longer than maybe we all would like is because he is being, he's, he's in essence isolating himself. Like he's pushing everybody away. And so they're not going to really notice uh, the little subtleties of his personality shifting. Um, so we're going to have to wait and see what's going to happen with poor snake bitten Jacob. As far as Tavaroff. Okay. So in the comics, he is Luke a.k.a. Batwings, arch-nemesis, his enemy, named Menace. And he actually gets his superpowers from a drug called... Burm, 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 Snakebite. Although Snakebite is different in the comics, per my understanding. Uh, from what I read, Snakebite was derived from Bane's Venom Serum versus how they're using Snakebite on the show, which is the Scarecrow Fear Toxin. Now, clearly, this is a television adaptation, much like the films. You know, they aren't going to uh, regurgitate a comic book storyline. So this could just be an Easter egg for people that know about the comic book stuff. But I still think it's fascinating that they're introducing a character that does have ties to Luke. So I, I do wonder if we'll get another Easter egg about that in the future. Professor, I know that you're a comic book aficionado. Did you recognize the name Russell Tavaroff? No, just he just struck me as, you know, a uh, random white guy who's going to be bad news. Okay. Well, yes. Well, he's bad news in the comics, too. So it's, it's all falling in line. Let's talk about Angelique for a moment. So Angelique has been kidnapped. She uh, comes face-to-face -face with Black Mask. He drops what I'm assuming is acid on the ground and threatens her with the acid and is basically like, you're going to make the uh, snake bite for me you know, because you're, you worked with Ocean. You should know how to do it. Uh, if not, I know how to get rid of you and have me to make sure there's no trace of you. 
So she tries to do it. Uh, she is unable to do it because she doesn't really know the right measurements of, you know, how much of this, how much of that, this or the other. What she created could be lethal. Um, he ends up threatening to put it in her, but uh, she's like, I will help you find Ocean. I will help you find Ocean. Okay. What is, what, yeah, where is this going? What's going on? What are they doing with Angelique? Um, yeah, what do we, th where do we think this storyline is going? Because I feel like this storyline is going to end with Angelique's death. Maybe I'm wrong. Professor, do you think all roads lead to Angelique's death? Or Ange, as she was called in this episode? Um, I, either death or having to be removed in some way. Um, it, it doesn't feel like, you know, there's, there's any point in, in keeping her around long term. Um, she's either going to be in jail or protected custody or witness relocation or, or as you say, dead. Um, but yeah, it is a little weird that, you know, you, you spend the entire episode, you know, kidnapping this one person who can make it happen only to find out, actually, I can't make it happen. So the last 44 minutes of television time have kind of been a waste, but wait, I'll help you find Ocean, the guy who can help you do that. So it's like, you know, it, it, it's like you're on a quest for something and it's like, no, this is just the map to the next thing that you need. Um, and then we'll find out that, you know, uh, you know, they get ocean. It's like, Oh, but I need this, you know, this extract from my mysterious flower. So now we're going to have to do that as well. So yeah, it did feel a little bit like, you know, Angelique was just being used as motivation for both Sophie and uh, Ryan in this episode. Um, you know, she didn't have a lot of agency as a character. Uh, you know, she was just there for, you know, the other people to be chasing after. Does she ever have a lot of agency? I don't know. Um, not a lot. No, <laughs> okay. I, I, I am once again struck by uh, Black Mask's absolutely terrible, you know, uh, relationship with his employees. I would hate to be his HR person. Well, yes, we'll be talking about Black Mask actually right now. So, okay, we've got Crophy. She has gone rogue. She is the rogue one. She has the information about the tracker. She knows exactly where the fear toxin is. She goes by herself because she is a lonely crow. And uh, unfortunately, um, she makes enough noise that Black Mask realizes she's there. Black Mask's, um, what does he do? He like bops her on the back her, and uh, takes her hostage and is going to kill her because, uh, what did he say, um, he uh, needs to kill a crow to sleep well that night. And so it looks like Crofi is done for, but we know that Team Bat has, knows exactly what happened, so they end up following Sophie, or I should say Batwoman does, and she gets into a bloody fight with uh, Black Mask, and there's a whole bunch of Black Mask being hella camp, hella, hella camp, yes, in a fantastic way. You can tell the actor's having fun with this shit, because just his delivery and the lines they're giving him are hella fun uh, branding and all that kind of stuff. Um, so they end up not being able to kill Black Mask, even though it did seem like they had him. Uh, because there is a false face gang member holding a gun to Angelique who waves to the camera. They can see, you know, footage of her. And he's like, don't worry, they will let me go. And if they don't, kill Angelique. And since the whole motivation about the episode has been both Sophie and Ryan slash Batwoman getting to Angelique, they couldn't do that. They couldn't have her die. You know what I'm saying? 
let's talk about this. We'll talk about the blood and other stuff momentarily. But Millie, I want to get your take on the fight as well as Black Mask in general. We've been getting a lot of our villains uh, in these past two episodes. We got a lot of Black Mask as well as Sionis in the previous episode. In this episode, well, also Dr. Rhyme and Enigma in the previous episode. And in this episode, both of our villains, Rhyme at Enigma and Black Mask, Sionis, were front and center. In Rhyme's storyline, as the professor stated, you know, we saw a very professional side to her. She was actually, it seemed, trying to help Alice out through her mental uh, um, breakdown, which is sort of what it was. Uh, here we got to see Sionis, uh, aka Black Mask, really go full bore in the villain territory. What do you think of him and how they're interpreting these villains on the show? Because I think with Black Mask, um, they're just making him a full-on villain. With Enigma, it looks like they're dipping her kind of in the gray area, which is kind of, it's, it's, I don't know, it's interesting to me. I don't know if it's interesting to you, Millie. I think in a way it kind of makes sense, maybe in terms of their endgame and their professions. Like, you'd think the businessman would just be the hardcore ruthless drug guy where it's like maybe part of being a therapist, you know, if, if you're going to be a villain and you're, you're a therapist, maybe you can't help but play in the grade. I mean, that's the nature of a villainous therapist. Whereas if you have like a, a businessman, he's just going to be ruthless. Um, but I think it's, I think that it's important to have that dynamic in terms of, cause obviously they're somehow partners that they, play off of each other. So I wonder if that is presenting kind of laying the foundation to present conflict down the road for them because you do have enigma that does somewhat have a tie to reality whereas this guy is just pure on wanting his revenge and maybe that's also why he's being played this way um but i agree in the terms of uh, the actors having a lot of fun and despite not seeing his face uh he's doing a great performance and you can really see in terms of the action and just his delivery is really fun to watch um and really still makes him a terrifying villain despite not seeing him at all and my only thing with with the with him i know we got we got it in the beginning of the season is i'm still i don't know i feel like his motivation isn't strong enough for what he's doing um so i'm wondering if we're gonna get more of that backstory more into him or they don't really care and, and we're not supposed to you know sympathize in any way with him okay professor i want to get your take on how they're using the villains as well both enigma and uh, black mask well, Black Mask is clearly, you know, our, our lead villain. Uh, you know, Enigma is more, you know, almost henchperson, um, a level of uh, a big bad. You know, it is interesting that she has links to Sophia. Uh, and as we saw, you know, she is there working with uh, with Black Mask as well. And we're, we're going to have to get some revelation uh, as to what that's about. I agree with Millie that, you know, his motivations are unclear. Um, you know, it's, you know, he's, he's obviously, you know, a wealthy and successful businessman. So why is he doing this as well? Um, you know, we, uh, we did have, you know, that, uh, that thing that he said, you know, uh, earlier that, you know, his daughter died as a result of Batwoman. So, you know, uh, is he, you know, trying to tear everything down? Has he just completely gone off the deep end? I do think we're going to have to get some, some explanation and motivation, uh, for, uh, for why, you know, Black Mask is doing what he's doing. I am enjoying the characterization. It's, it's always fun to have you know your bad guy uh, chewing the scenery see john cryer over on supergirl um but uh yeah 
without some some backstory to it, it's kind of just going through the motions. And also the fact that, you know, he gets the drop on Sophie and he just happens to have a live feed and a, you know, projector set up to on the conveniently placed uh, you know, a uh, bit of fabric to to show off. I mean, it's it's just it's it's so contrived. Well, I mean, he's crazy, so I I feel like he would. I don't know. Yeah, maybe also, that was being the crap out of him, but they don't think take off his mask. Well, there is that. They do beat the crap out of him, though. That was pretty damn good. Yes, um, I am enjoying Black Mask, though. Even though I mean, I know you picked on him just a tad, Professor, but I, I think overall he's a really just maniacal villain in a very good way. Um, Enigma uh, clearly is going to outlive Black Mask. Whatever they end up doing with Black Mask, he will more than likely be taken down by the end of the season. But I could see Enigma sticking around. And uh, I think that makes her sort of the more fascinating villain. She does have her hands in, in many different pots. And uh, I do wonder if they will end up... Um, and end up uh, correlating. I, I know that you had a theory, Professor, uh, I don't remember if it was the previous podcast or the one before that, about maybe Sophia, you know, being uh, somehow using Enigma and and, and uh, being the one really in charge and being the one to sort of inspire Black Mask to do what he's doing because it does mirror what Alice was supposed to do, creating an army and that sort of thing. Um, I, I do feel like that's what's going to end up happening. I think that's a very good theory, Professor. Well, and then we might find out that, you know, Sophia had his daughter killed or perhaps his daughter, you know, ended up on Sophia's Island or something like that. So we might have some explanation coming out of that. But until we do that, you know, it's 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 hard to really care about the, the villain and his motivations. Right now, it's just, well, that's kind of fun. And honestly, we don't even know if that's actually the actor behind the mask or it's just a stunt person. True. Very true. Okay, so Black Mask goes free. Um, there was a line early in the episode where, um, you know, because um, Ryan had borrowed Mary's car and, uh, you know, they weren't supposed to uh, do anything bad to it. But it does get a couple bullet holes in the, uh, um, the side mirror. And uh, when Sophie is inspecting it, she notices something in the car. She opens the car, and she picks it up, and she's like, hmm. While she's doing that, uh, Tavaroff is on the crime scene. Um, he's looking, he's at the crime scene, and he's looking at the footage of the fight, and then he notices something, and then he realizes there's blood on the ground, and so he takes a sample of the blood. And while he takes a sample of the blood, we've got Crophy. You know, she hooks up the AI, and she's able to, um, I don't know if I would call it hacking because it looked very easy. Uh, she ended up just clinging into it, and she finds the audio recording of uh, what happened, I guess, when the AI was live. And she hears Luke, which, you know, she was already suspicious of, of working with that woman and, and that sort of thing. And then she hears, brum, 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 Ryan as well. To you know, when she was like, oh, God. Earlier in the episode, Luke was like, I don't know why you're working with her, why you're working with Crophy. Uh, you know, she's going to figure it out. She's really smart. And then that line kind of took me back to all of season one when Sophie didn't even realize that her former flame, Kate Kane, was that woman. So I don't know if she's that smart. But... 
she now knows at the end of the episode. And clearly, we needed that ending with Sophie, because I'm almost positive that Tavaroff is going to run that blood sample to figure out who Batwoman is. So Sophie's going to have to fudge with that. I, I feel I, I hope we're all on the same page with that, and we all are sort of at least thinking that's where this is headed. Can, are we all in, agreeing with that, or do we think the storyline's going to take a different turn? What do we think of this? I'm just going to open it up to the floor. That was the sort of the cliffhanger for this episode. Ryan finding out that uh, not not Ryan, Sophie finding out that Ryan is Batwoman. Yeah, I, I do like the fact, and I think it says something about the fact that Sophie is, you know, a very different character and why we like her so much this season. Last season, she wouldn't have figured it out. You know, they, they were portraying her as really not very good at her job and, and, and not that sharp. So to have Luke say it earlier on in the episode and get the payoff at the end, um, you know, uh, made sense. And yes, I think it's it's pretty obvious that, you know, this is going to put her in a situation where she's going to have to, you know, be protecting Batwoman uh, sort of behind the scenes uh, at the crows, um, while uh, you know the uh, the blood is being run. So you know that will you know put her in that sort of you know situation of having to decide: Are you on the side of the crows, or on your, are you on the side of Batwoman? And she'll obviously choose the side of Batwoman. Now the question is: Will she reveal to them that she knows, or will she continue to play along? Uh, my guess is she'll continue to play along uh, for a while anyway. I agree with you on that. I think as far as just drama for the television series, that's the best idea. I think they should drag this out a little bit. It's fun because we always complain about them dragging out storylines, but this is actually this is a storyline that I think is really interesting that as far as if they do decide to drag it out. I think that would be a, a better um, A storyline and B, the payoff at the end, you know, because she could just casually say it. Um, I, I think that would work best. Millie? What about you? What's your thoughts about the end of the episode? Tavaroff taking the blood. Clearly he's going to run run it. And now that Sophie knows, clearly she's going to mess with that. Uh, do you think... What do you think Sophie's reaction is going to be? And do you think they're going to drag this out just a tiny bit, like the professor and I think? Oh, definitely. This is drama. They're, <laughs> it's going to be milked for sure. And I think it kind of makes sense because... When we look at the relationship of Ryan and Sophie, this episode in particular has definitely made strides, but I think that there's still some trust that needs to be built, and what better way of, of doing that than, like, Sophie with in the background saying, oh, yeah, by the way, this agent was about to call you out, but, you know, I did all these things. I think that's another way for her to, A, suss out the situation, and, B, show that she is on Team Bat because there has been questions about her allegiance. She is called Crophy for a reason. So I think that also kind of helps bring that and give her reputation towards Ryan because they still have that bad blood, which will be interesting to see how that's going to resolve in, in the terms of Sophie now knows Ryan's big secret. But Ryan also is like, this is the person that's, you know, arrested me so many times, X, Y, Z. Like, it's, they have it down to a T kind of routine. So that, that, I'm interested to see how that dynamic's going to work out. Um, and I agree, and I was laughing when you're like Sophie's not that smart so I'm kind of curious if they're going to play it like oh yeah that made sense that she she's like I had an inkling because I was like she had that moment with Batwoman on Coriana not too long ago and she couldn't put the dots together like I don't know so I wonder if they're going to act like she she had inkling all along on that Uh, so that'll be fun that'll be fun um to see to see the way they play that out yeah did we miss Mary there was no Mary in the episode single teardrop Yes. 
Yeah, yeah we can always use Mary, but I think, you know, I don't think she would have added anything necessarily aside from her charming presence. Um, and, you know, just for social distancing purposes, it makes sense if you don't need to include someone. I think the, the default is going to be, you know, stay at home, stay in your bubble. Uh, you know, don't come in unless we need you. Very true. Very true. All right. Did I miss anything? Teeny tiny little moments. Anything that either of you would like to discuss before we head into the MVP? All righty. It's time for the MVP, the most valuable player. State which character impressed you throughout the episode and why. Once a character has been chosen, they cannot be selected again. So choose wisely. Let's start off with Millie. Who's your MVP and why? You know, I think I'm going to mix it up and give my MVP to Sophie this episode. <gasps> <laughs> no, that was, no, a, that I, was I think, a shock. Yeah, good. I like it. Yeah, I, I really do like where she's going. I think this is a turning point for her character, especially the discovery. Um, I agree, Megan Tandy and Braves, like she rocked that hardcore, and they definitely need to kind of let her get out of her, her crow outfit a little bit. And I think that as we see the storyline progress, she, she'll get away from that, and I think that's exciting, and she's a lot more interesting character this time around. Um, and I am curious to see her interactions with the Bat team and with Ryan. Um, so I do look forward to her on screen a little bit more now. All right, now our jaws have been lifted from the ground. Uh, Millie picked Sophie, y'all. Crophy. Very good choice. Professor, I have a feeling I know where you're going, but who's your MVP and why? Well, yeah, obviously it's always Rachel Scarson, unless there's a very good reason for it not to be Rachel Scarson, and there isn't a very good reason for it to be Rachel Scarson, so uh, Rachel Scarson is my choice. Uh, She was just great. Uh, Tremendous, you know, both her, you know, it's sort of in the real world, her and her flashbacks, and, you know, giving it a little nuance there in that final scene with Ocean uh, in the alleyway. Uh, again, as I say, I'm, I'm getting that sense that there are those cracks. She's forced to, you know, acknowledge that, you know, she's not the monster that she claims to be even to herself. And, you know, I'm looking forward to seeing how, uh, how she plays that out going forward. There's a lot of nuance in the alleyway, yeah. Nuance uh, is, we're replacing the word nuance with tongue. We're replacing the word tongue with nuance. There's a lot of that in the alley. Okay, uh, great choices from both of you. Uh, I'm going to give it to Javicia Leslie, Batwoman, Ryan Wilder. I really enjoyed her entire like personality and presence in this episode. Uh, there were moments where she was really fun and and energetic, and um, you know, and, and and it worked for that scene. There were moments where she was really serious. Um, I loved her interplay with Sophie. I loved her so much with Luke. Um, yeah, I, I just love seeing the different shades of Ryan Wilder in this episode. Uh, Javicia Leslie was just fantastic. So now it's time to rate the episode. How would you rate this episode on a scale of 1 to 10 bat signals? The point system is allowed, and if you found the episode exceptional, deserving of more than a 10, you may archive the episode in the bat cave. Professor, let you be the standard bearer. What would you think of this episode? How would you rate it? Um, you know, there was a lot of good stuff, but ultimately, I think part of, you know, something that you liked about it that I didn't, you know, the car stuff left me cold. I don't watch car racing. I don't care for the Fast and Furious movies. It just seems vroom, vroom, big, fat, big deal. Um, also, their carbon footprint, you know, that's totally unnecessary. <laughs> um, so uh, that caused me to take it down a little bit. But I, I mean, it's still enjoyable. And I like the fact that Sophie was able to figure it out on her own. Um, but, yeah, well. I think I could go as high as maybe a 7.5. All right. The professor, not a fan of cars. He he likes to bike to work. Right, professor? 
I would if I did not uh, live so far away from work, but yeah, I do tend to cycle around. Okay. Time. Uh, okay. 7.5 from the professor. Millie Wood, what about you? I, on the contrary, love the car parts. I'm a, I like sports cars, so I was a big fan of the car scenes. I particularly liked, I think it was a pink Audi, that one. Ooh. I think that deserves the MVP, really. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> nice. <laughs> so that was a nice souped up car. Um, I did like the, the choreography. I thought that was nice and definitely something we didn't really get. But in terms of the storyline, I felt like it it was all a little bit on the slow side. We did have a lot of like plot movement. Um, but overall I was like, okay, it was great. It was fun to see the cars. Um, is it rewatchable? And it depends. So I think I'll have to give it seven point eight bat wings. Okay. Listeners, if you would like to give Millie Wood a gift, a pink Audi apparently is what she likes. Take note of that. Okay, so we have a 7.5. We've got a 7.8. I'm going to give it an 8.5. I did enjoy the episode, I guess, a little bit more than both of you. Uh, I thought it was fun. Uh, the comedic moments were really good. The A storyline was was good. The B storyline, I would say, was great with Alice and uh, Enigma and Ocean, uh, and young Kate, of the figment Kate. Um, yeah, I thought the episode worked, at least for me. Um, I, I enjoyed it, and I would say it's rewatchable. It was fun, even though there was, you know, threats of death and uh, there was a murder. It was still fun. Uh, and on that note, join us next time for a brand new installment of the Gotham City Gazette. Here's our announcer to remind you on how you can interact with us. Follow Poppy Chula Radio on social media. We are on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, at Poppy Chula Radio. Do you have any questions, suggestions, comments, or concerns? Email us via contact at poppychularadio.com. Are you interested in joining the Poppy Chula Radio team as an on-air personality or blog contributor? Email talent at poppychularadio.com. Binge listen to your favorite Poppy Chula Radio programs by visiting poppychularadio.com slash archives. You can also download tonight's broadcast and the rest of the series through Apple Podcasts and Google Play. Just search for the Gotham City Gazette and subscribe. Thanks, announcer. My co-hosts, please wish the listeners a good night, starting off with the professor. Vroom, vroom, Gotham. And there he goes. He cycles away. Millie Wood in her pink Audi. More like a screech, screech, Gotham. That's how we ride in the, the Audi. But um, <laughs> have a good evening, Gotham. If you want to follow along with me, I'm on Twitter as at the Asian Nerd. Thanks for tuning in. Uh, quick programming note: uh, there is not a new episode of Batwoman next week. They are taking a hiatus, so we will be taking a hiatus. We will return in two weeks with a brand new installment. Uh, download new episodes of the Gotham City Gazette every Tuesday via Apple Podcasts, Google Play, and the Poppy Radio Archives. Good night, everyone. <laughs>